Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Fran, and I am here to share with you and hopefully hear from you as well tonight about the experience of the absence of God. So I don't want this to just be me pretending to be some kind of an expert, but there'll be some things thrown your way. And uh, that may be, again, slightly problematic for the people listening to this later because they may not hear you, but I will. So At the moment, as Calvin and Petra have already said, we're in the midst of an incredibly rich and important series called Heads and Tails. And it's really looking at the paradoxes of living the Christian faith, the the two sides of the coins of the coin, if you like. So we've talked about um, word and spirit. We've talked about ancient and modern. We've talked about giving and receiving. This morning we talked about presence and tonight we're talking about absence. And then next week we're talking about personal and the communal aspects of uh, living out this relationship with God. So sometimes I think they've come up on slides as sort of... uh, presence versus absence or ancient versus modern. I don't think that is quite right. It's, it's and, not against. These things aren't against each other. They form two sides of a cohesive whole if we can hold the tension. If you listen to the podcast last week, uh, no, the week before, um, t- talking about ancient and modern, one of the things that I said was that we can't live on the peaks. The air is thin up there. We have to come down into the valleys and onto the plateaus. And tonight, maybe even we discover that periodically we fall into a crevasse or find ourselves stuck in a cave. Um, But that is part of the experience, and it's reflected in the scriptural record as well. So it's not just those of us moderns or postmoderns or however we brand ourselves these days. It has ever been this way, that there is light and shade in the spiritual journey. And so to be in a church that talks about the shade, I think is really wonderful. So if you want to listen in again or listen to this morning, you can find it on our website. And then there's a 20-minute podcast where the two speakers who've approached each of these topics have a deeper discussion. And you can listen into that because there is more than can be said about these really big theological topics and life experiences than you can jam into a little uh, message like this. So some of our community groups are listening to the podcast together, which I think is a great way of entering more deeply into a conversation rather than it just being listening to someone at the front, which I never think is ideal overall. So I guess first and foremost, I would like to be clear that we cannot be separated from God. And I think that this is clear from Jesus himself saying, I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. His very name speaks to that truth. Emmanuel, God with us, not uh, God sometimes with us or God might be with us in a minute if we um, wait long enough or God with us only if we're good. But God with us is 
the good news of the gospel. So nothing can separate us from the love of God. The love of God is God. I would love for us to say this together so that this sinks in before we go into some of the darker places. So, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen to that. That seems like a good foundation from which to then talk about um, this sense of separation. So again, as a starting point, it's important to say that our feelings of God are not God. They're not. They are feelings. So God is still present whether we feel God or not. The experience of absence is a perceived absence. We've just said and seen in the scripture that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So when we don't feel God, it doesn't mean that God is gone. It simply means we're not feeling it right now. But our feelings of God's presence are not God's presence. They are part of it, but they're not the whole thing. So this really is the scandal of grace. That's what Brennan Manning would call it, the scandal, the shocking nature of how lavish grace is, is that we are included and gathered in even when we deserve to be abandoned. Even when we utterly reject love, we are still loved. There was never a time when we were not loved. God's love for us has no starting point. It didn't begin when we began to believe and put our trust in God. God's love has no beginning or end. God is love and you and I live in that love as do our neighbours, our families, our friends, even our enemies and all created things. We can ignore it, deny it or despise it, but we are in it. But we're not all aware of it. And at times, and perhaps you're here for this very reason tonight, we lose the sense of it. So we did a quick sort of hands up straw poll this morning to say, who has experienced God's presence? Who would say they've experienced something of the joy, sacredness, beauty of God's presence? And then also, who would say that they have experienced the absence of that? Yeah. Okay, so we're all good then. We're all entirely normal. So the absence of God, as you can see by the show of hands, is definitely a thing. So a good question that often arises is, well, how come I am not feeling the love today? Or for the past few months, or for longer than I care to remember or feel embarrassed to even say. That is the question of questions, I guess, and we see it cried out from the um, parched lips of those in the wilderness and from the psalmists and through the scripture and into daily contemporary life. So 
first of all, perhaps, let's get in touch a little bit with what this perceived absence of God looks and feels like. Off the tops of your heads, or from your heart, how does this feel to you as you look at it? So this is Jesus in the wilderness. One of the Gospels, they don't all mention this, but one of them, I think it might be Luke, says that in the 40 days or the six weeks that Jesus was alone in the wilderness, his only companions were the wild animals. And uh, when I first read that, I found it a bit chilling, and I thought, well, that'd be freaky being out there with the jackals and snakes and whatnot. And then as I looked at it again, I thought, my schoolgirl Latin, which shows you my age, came back to me, companion, means the one who breaks bread with. So what that is telling us is that Jesus was accompanied in the wilderness by the creatures. So what I want to say to you is, when you are in the wilderness, when you're in darkness, look for the surprising ways that you are accompanied by nature. It might be the tree that you pass every day that you look at from the bus. It might be um, a bird. It might be your pet. It might be your cat or your dog. Um, But we are accompanied in surprising ways when we're in wilderness time. And that's why this artist has portrayed Jesus cradling the scorpion in his hand. This scorpion, yes, it's the symbol of his impending death, but it's also in some way his friend. He's in the company of the creatures. And that's important for us to to remember, to expand our vision of how God accompanies us in times of darkness. You may already know, I'm sure you do, that the Psalms are the prayer book of God's people. They're the prayers that Jesus prayed. They were known by heart. And that there are 150 of them. And that 67 of those 150 psalms are what we call lament. So lament is the cry of the bereaved, of the lonely, of the confused. It's the keening wail of somebody who has lost their anchor in life. So a lament is something that is really important. And when we think there are 67 of them out of these 150, that's kind of amazing. Tells us something about our human condition and the things that we can say to God. Of those 67, 66 of them end a bit like uh, the song we just sang, On an Up Note. There's a sort of five-part rhythm to those psalms where they you know, remind God who God is, uh, they pour out their despair, they express their dissatisfaction, that they want their enemies smitten, um, that sort of stuff. It's great stuff, actually. If you haven't read some of those, you should, because they're good for us. Um, however, there is one of those that doesn't end up on the up note, and that's Psalm 88, and its closing line is, "'Only darkness is my friend.'" I think what that tells us is that we don't have to always even end on the up note. There is permission for us before God to just be in a woeful state and to say so and to be really honest about it. So I'd like to share with you just a few other lines from Psalm 88. Brace yourselves. 
God, you're my last chance of the day. I spend the night on my knees before you. Put me on your salvation agenda. Take notes on the trouble I'm in. I've had my fill of trouble. I'm camped on the edge of hell. I'm written off as a lost cause. One more statistic, a hopeless case. Abandoned as already dead. One more in a stack of corpses. And not so much as a gravestone. I'm a black hole in oblivion. Pretty dark stuff. I think, though, there's another element to lament, which is also known as exhaling, the breathing out of things that you can't hold in and that you shouldn't hold them in. My mother used to say, better out than in, because uh, there are some things that you just can't hold in. So the Psalms of Lament allow us to exhale pain, to exhale our sense of loss and confusion. And then we are free to inhale when the time is right. And actually we can't exhale unless we've inhaled in the first place. And so this morning Stanley was speaking about presence. And he's a cyclist. He was talking about uh, having Ks in the bank. So for event day when you're cycling, you know that you've put in enough work that you've got strength in your legs to carry you through the challenges of the event. So you bank those Ks in your training. And it's the same for us in our spiritual life. The nourishing spiritual practices that we do through a day, through a week, through a month, through a year, become the Ks that are banked for the time like this. And the darkness will come. So I'm not just being a prophet of doom. I'm just saying, this is how it is. You are kidding yourself if you think that you will go through your entire Christian life in balmy sunshine. That is not how it is. So I'm telling you, bank the Ks, put in the nourishing spiritual practices for the times when you feel like you're a corpse in the stack. And it may not get that dark for you, and I pray it doesn't. However, the metaphorical language is pretty strong, and let's hold them as metaphors. They're saying how we feel. So bank those Ks. What we learn from Psalm 88 is that we can tell God how it is there are no holds, no punches pulled, no holds barred uh, from He-Man as he pours out his condition before God. He's really honest. And he's honest about the loneliness of the experience. So let's talk for a minute then about what the absence of God feels like. Some of you put up your hands to say, yes, I think I've experienced that sense of God not being close when I'd like God to be close. So what does it feel like? Disorientation, confusion. It's like, whoa, I don't know which way is up right now. Yes, it is disorienting. The, the things that we had set our bearings by have kind of disappeared. Longing. Yes, that's important. I think we forget sometimes that when we are longing for something, it didn't start with us. That longing is a response to the longing of God for us. And so there is in God a longing for our presence. So, And also, one of the mystics described it this way, that, that God wants to be longed for. And so I don't know if you've ever been parted from somebody that you loved, 
but the sense that they never thought of you while they were away is kind of discouraging and disheartening. It's kind of nice to be longed for. And so not to infantilize God in any way, but to say that there is something about longing that is present in God too. So longing, uh, Bernard of Clairvaux said that God, uh, Christ leaves so that we may follow him. So there's a, a sense of an, an intentional departure sometimes of Jesus so that we may follow that longing to where Jesus is now for us, which is, again, a really significant insight that can bring us comfort when we feel that disorientation. So let's have a look then at why this happens to us. Some of the um, causes, if you like, for experiencing this felt absence of God. So firstly, there are some external things. Change. Change can um, be in our work or in a relationship, in our health. It might be the loss of a loved one, a death, a relocation, culture shock. Something has happened to us. And great loss and disappointment can damp down our felt sense of God, which is kind of paradoxical when we think this is the time I really need to be feeling God, but somehow often it seems that we don't. But I wonder if perhaps our other feelings are stronger. And so this is the time to remember that we can never be separated from God and that our feelings about God and our feelings of God's presence are not God. God is still there within us. God isn't outside of us. God is, but not exclusively outside. But the indwelling presence of Christ cannot be erased. It's there in you. So if you can't find it outside, perhaps look in and connect with God there. So there's change. And then there's no change. The prolonged physical, emotional or psychological pain or stress of being in a particular situation that has just ground on and on and on can produce that sense of God being absent. And I think this is partly uh, Heman's situation and it's possibly even what uh, Teresa of Calcutta experienced, just the ongoing exposure to the suffering of others or to abuse of oneself or oppression or living with big, big issues that are not easily resolved can result in a sense of God feeling absent. It doesn't mean that God is, but that can be an external cause. And then there are internal causes. The neglect of our own spiritual nurture kind of makes sense that if we're not engaging in the kinds of things that open us to God, and I guess you'll know what those things are, but to spend time alone in prayer, to spend time with God in community, because God is a community. God does not exist outside of community. The Holy Trinity is a community. So this is how we experience God in community with others. Also, they help form us. I don't know if you noticed that. It's kind of important. Time with the scripture time with music, time in nature, time resting in God's love. The things that open you to God, don't neglect them. Bank the K's, 
do it your way. You know, it's not right for somebody to say this is how to do it uh, because sometimes those things are quite deadening. But you can have conversations with others about what they do and try things that you haven't tried before, perhaps. So neglect of our spiritual nurture can make us feel that God is far away. There's also the unconscious, unconscious avoidance or exclusion of God. So we fool ourselves sometimes by thinking that we want to be close to God when really we don't. That uh, perhaps there is something that has um, got in the way. So let's talk then about wrongdoing. Short little word called sin. We have done perhaps something or failed to do something that we knew should have or should not have been done. And that, when we don't attend to it, creates a sense of distance from God because we may be justifying ourselves. Maybe we felt gratified by the things that we have engaged in or the things we've neglected. And those things, that sort of willfulness, affects our sense of God. So we dial up our own feelings and we kind of unconsciously dial down God. So there's a sense where subconsciously maybe we don't want to feel God's presence because we feel fear what it might be like then if we go into God's presence, not that we can escape it because it's already in us, uh, with what dirty rags we might be uh, sort of clutching around ourselves. And I think all I'd want to say about that is it is such a relief and joy to be rid of the darkness of our own creation. <laughs> we are so loved. Don't hang on to whatever that is that uh, may subconsciously be causing you to avoid God. Be honest with God about that. Open it to God and I think you may feel quite different and the presence of God will feel close again. One more change. A change in our image of God. This is just super exciting, I reckon. So the darkness and dryness and boredom that we feel uh, in our time of God not feeling close is actually a sign that we're on the threshold of something new. And that's sort of disconcerting, but it's how it is. So our previous images of God have perhaps ceased to be life-giving to us. They might seem small or empty or childish. Maybe we're desperately hanging on to them because they've always worked, but now they're not working, and that's kind of hard. And so this is the sense of crisis. Is my faith even real? What do I believe? Who is God? Have I broken the relationship somehow? Am I losing my faith? These are important questions, and they do occur at particular times in life, and some of you may have already experienced them, some of you may not, but it's good to let you know that they'll be on the horizon at some point, and they're fine questions to ask. So they're good signs. If you have good spiritual nurture practices of your own, and you're still feeling the sense of absence, it is God's doing. God has moved. God is growing you and inviting you to see a different aspect of God. It might be an image of God you've never connected with before or something perhaps that you knew intellectually but it's really now grabbing your heart and it's bringing change. And change is uncomfortable but it is sometimes the absence of God is God's own doing. So if this is you... If you feel like your spiritual life has kind of dried up around you and you're standing in a crispy part, 
dried, dead part of your spiritual garden. Just stand still where you are and in your prayer allow yourself to gaze around and notice where the life is. We often stay with the dead bits because we haven't been told to look for the signs of life. And what we often find is that God is standing in an entirely different part of our spiritual garden going, over here. And we've spent all this time sort of focusing on sort of trying to water the dead plants when actually there's something entirely new springing up in our life that we haven't noticed. So just be okay with the looking. Don't be in a rush. So I think it, um, it's a wonderful truth that we can look for where the, the life is springing up. And one of the, the saints... Uh, said it, it's actually a sin to stay in the dead bit. So that invitation towards life is so wonderful. Again, remember our images of God aren't God because God is more than all of our images put together. But we learn to love God through the way God reveals himself to us. And so we should expect that God will grow us beyond our existing images so that we have greater capacity for loving because we're made for love. And so anything that's going to limit our capacity to love, God will take away at some point. So this is a spirituality of negation, if you like. If you think of a a sculptor at work, chipping away at that stone, removing, 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 to reveal something beautifully formed. So we can see absence as those things being taken away. Sometimes in absence, we learn what God is not. And that can be as clarifying as all our previous certainties about what God is. So anyway, that's a couple of big thoughts to just fling out there and see what you do with them. So darkness and the felt absence can be generative, can be life-giving, I think even the absence of self-neglect in that moment where we hit rock bottom and we have nothing left in ourselves, it becomes the moment of our abandonment to God because we've got nowhere left to turn. So even that darkness becomes a life-giving darkness. Darkness, if you like, is an upside-down time. If you think of the caterpillar dissolving in its chrysalis, ceasing to exist, really, And we call this metamorphosis, and we see this word in the scriptures, the word of transformation, that we're transformed by the love of God. Transformation, metamorphosis, it's not comfortable. In fact, if anything, it's terrible news for the caterpillar, but it's great news for the butterfly. (laughs) But the butterfly has, there's a whole period of unknowing in that darkness, in the chrysalis. So generative darkness, another image of that for us might be the baby before birth hanging upside down in the womb, in the dark, no clue at all of what is awaiting outside that darkness. I mean, the the baby could actually say at birth, I've lost my home, I've lost my mother, I've lost everything. But that's not true. It's a perception. So the sense of the unborn part of us waiting to cross a new threshold into life. So generative darknesses are definitely a thing. The seed in the ground, or what about the body of Christ in the tomb? Three days lying uh, there in that 
cold and rocky tomb. That's a profound darkness that generated the, the life and light that we get to enjoy now. So how do we respond to God then when we can't feel his presence? Pray the Psalms. Pray honestly. And tell a trusted spiritual companion what you're going through. So you might choose a professional person to have that conversation with. So you could talk to a spiritual director. Or you could talk to somebody who you know isn't going to try and jolly you through it and tell you like Job's comforters, all the things that you ought to be doing to fix it. But who will simply listen and will hold the Christ light for you. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Stay connected with your faith community. So this is another way of banking the case. You might not even fully be able to say or even really believe the words some days. But it's a season that you're in. And to be with others and just bringing those words out of the depths of your heart, even if you can't fully engage with them, is a, a practice that leads us back into the light. The chrysalis on its branch is connected to something. A chrysalis lying on the ground dies. So in your time of felt absence, just stay connected with the people of God. If you have no nourishing spiritual practices, begin some. If you're avoiding God, stop it. You're loved and nothing can break that love. If your nourishing spiritual practices aren't having the effect that they used to, just see if you can notice what actually does nourish you spiritually and do more of that. Pray as you can, not as you cannot. And remember that you might be on the threshold of something entirely new between you and God, that the darkness is what you experience before the dawn. In Psalm 88, as I shared the, uh, with you, uh, darkness, only darkness is my friend. Heman, the author, talks about how abandoned he is, rejected by friends and family. I think this is the experience of so many people who are in a time of difficulty in their faith, or, or, and they don't know how to express it, which is why our presence and our listening, not our telling, is so important that we are to be the physical presence of Christ to one another. So think about that for a moment. We are to be the physical presence of Christ to one another. So the hymn that we sang at the beginning um, taps into Franciscan spirituality, really. So there's a, an 800-year tradition behind that song that's known as the Servant Song. And there's a verse that says, I will hold the Christ light for you in the nighttime of your fear. I will hold my hand out to you. Speak the peace you long to hear. Really, that's all we're asked to do when we're accompanying someone, is to hold our hand out to them, to speak peace to them, not unsettle them more to hold the Christ light for them, which is just your presence. But it's a beautiful thing to remain present, and it's a difficult thing to remain present to someone who's in darkness when you are 
experiencing the light. But that's so often how it is. God puts, uh, puts us together with someone who can walk with us. And so learning from He-Man's experience of profound rejection and abandonment, we can go, oh, let's not let anybody suffer like that. Let's not reject the person who is living uh, in this time of feeling separated. The scripture invitation to us is to bear one another's burdens, to weep when others are weeping and to laugh with those who are laughing. So it's behaving appropriately with the person that, that we are with and bearing one another's burdens. So being Christ to one another is an important way of helping someone through that time. I think as we come to a close, there's a, a couple of things I've got in mind. One is that we will pray uh, this prayer that is on your seat. And I encourage you to take it with you or snap a photo of it and save it to your phone. For the time, this is another way of banking the case. You might just like to tuck this, this prayer away. The breastplate of St. Patrick. So this is only a small portion of it. You can pray the whole thing. It's epic. Um, you can find it on Google. But so there are many, many communities that, that pray this in morning prayer uh, regularly. So we're going to pray this together. Then what we're going to do is we're going to pop off the lights. It's a, I'm taking the service, so there are candles. And um, we, we will stand. And we have a candle that we will pass from one to the other as a symbol of our willingness to hold the Christ light for the other person in the nighttime of their fear. That's a fantastic thing for us to do. I'm excited about that. And then, just to give you a heads up, I would love for us, for those of us who are in a good place, to be present to those who are feeling, who are not feeling it right now. So it may be difficult for the person to say, I don't know that I'm really feeling it right now. Um, but hopefully, of all services, this is the one where you can say, okay, that's me. So we will not pray for you in a way that is judgy or uncomfortable, um, but we will pray prayers of peace. And if you think that that would be nourishing for you to have people hold the Christ light for you in that way, to simply have prayers of peace and blessing prayed for you in this time where you're not feeling it, then we would really love to do that. So that's where we're headed. So let us pray this together. Let's stand, everyone, because it just gets our attention. If you haven't got one, just share with someone else. So, Etefano, brothers and sisters, let us pray this together. Christ as a light, illumine and guide me. Christ as a shield, overshadow me. Christ under me, Christ over me, Christ beside me, on my left and my right. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Be in the heart of each to whom I speak, in the mouth of each who speaks unto me. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, 
yet all-powerful. Christ as a light, Christ as a shield, Christ beside me, on my left and my right. A profound prayer of the presence of God, whether we feel it or not, to my left, to my right, within, without, above, below. The presence of God is there whether we feel it or not. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast. Hold up. 